already started. So yeah. let me ask you something. The, yeah, yeah. the interview, you can go ahead. Oh, yeah, go. Uh, the interview that you recorded earlier, huh? uh, her, she was like far away from the mic and that was concerning to me, but I didn't want to like tell her to keep scooting closer. Yeah, yeah. So I had to, um, it, it, the audio picked up. It did. I kind of had to play with it. Yeah, then, like to, it, bring it up a yeah, little bit. bring it up. And then when she yeah. stopped talking, bring it down. But it's all good, man. You know. Yeah, well, that's isn't that what like that position's intended for? Yeah, is, like, yeah. Control you know, all those here, variables. You know, I'm on the ones and twos. You, see, I was hoping you would like just like. Tell I was like, trying to get like, their attention. They were, um, you know, they. Uh, if you're not used to being on camera, it can yeah, be you little, can't catch those signals. And yeah, stuff. well, and you're, you know, you're focused in, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm not gonna like get up and start waving my arms around and be like, come on, get close to the mic. But, but I think that I'm gonna learn from that, yeah. and whoever I do have that's off camera. Uh -huh is going to be like i'll have like a set of hand signals or gestures that are going to be like predetermined mm -hmm. so when it, whenever the interviewee or even myself is talking and i need some type of coaching yeah like like hey you need to like, turn it over like i have like certain hand signals that i can just yeah. catch out of my peripheral without yeah. having to like, look over and like, yeah what? yeah and if like i said if you're doing it um if you're going to do it like recorded if it gets That's bad different. enough, you could be you like, can, oh, hold on, guys. Like, let's, we need yeah. you to stop. Well, I knew in. that that we were going to do that, but I also didn't want to, like, there was a flow that kept happening. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want to stop that. Yeah. I didn't want know? to stop that either. So, I mean, it, it's fine. It worked cool. out. Um, right on. You know, there might be a couple points when you start talking, you'll notice where I turned their mic down a little bit. But because I talk pretty, I like. Yeah. Well, um, you, you know, you have a, a speaking presence. But, yeah. dude, we are live. Um, Here we go. You know, welcome to Nooner Nation, right the podcast there. for Nooners by Nooners. Dude, we got the uh, first in-studio guest here. At, I'm uh, the first one? First one. First one. <laughs> no way. Yeah, Thanks, man. man. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's uh, typically we do this through Zoom. Uh, and so, yeah, in the minor league studios, and he was uh, blown away at, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, for a home shop, it's and you got like a studio. It's it's like a creative space. Yeah, it's yeah. not just I just let me print some shirts. Yeah, like, yeah. It's an actual creative space. Like you can come down here and just let loose. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I put away like all the weird stuff, the sex swings, and <laughs> the, the the dog cages full of rented women from Ukraine. He's probably not joking. No, well, <laughs> no, I, I gave up that life. That all was right, that was you know. Yeah. But Circa I mean, I met my wife that way. So yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. You know, so some good came out of yeah, it, yeah. you know. Keep the tradition alive. But, yeah, so, like I said, first uh, first guest in the studio. I'm super excited. Um, and, actually, I'm glad I got to spend some time with the guest over the week or else I'd be a little nervous and fanboying because we're not going to get into print nerd stuff like I did in that one episode with the other screen printer um, because this isn't the audience for that. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, starting something maybe for that later. But, uh, but no. Guy's got a super awesome story. Um, he's a rock star in the screen printing world. Um, and he happened to just be in Des Moines uh, helping some other screen printing friends of mine set up their new machine. Um, so I asked him, I, I reached out and uh, said, hey, I know you're doing some blog stuff. Um, I've got all the video equipment. Like, let's link up. I'll produce that. And if at the start of the show, you probably saw that... Uh, we were talking about, you know, the interview today. So, uh, well, definitely at the end of the show, we'll let uh, Richard say where you can go find that, where you can see my uh, my awesome producing work and yeah. his incredible interviewing skills. And uh, the story, even if you're not into screen printing, um, Andrew and Chantel's story is just fantastic. So I definitely would advise uh, 
go on and check on that. But without further ado, I'm joined by uh, Richard Tilly. What's up, man? What's going on? Dude? That was that was pretty epic there. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in, man. Well, you know what you uh, you stood out in a huge crowd of people. Like you you said, hey, let me just jump in and let me let me offer something. Let me help the situation better. I know you're going to be in town. Let me do something. Yeah. And what caught my attention about that is that's the same exact thing I would do for somebody if they were coming to my town and I, and I knew of them or, you know, had some type of like, um, relationship with them or whatever to where I know like, Hey, you're going to be in my town. Let me take care of you. Yeah. And you doing that was awesome. So there's no way I'm not going to come by and spend some time with you and get to know you, man. Cause yeah. you are a different breed of person to even offer that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm definitely known for standing out because uh, as you'll see in this and what you probably haven't seen because I keep it fairly um, regulated, you know, around certain people, mm -hmm. like the boys, super nice people. My typical uh, way of speaking and stuff is not their style. I know how to handle that. Yeah. Awesome. But I tend to say off the wall shit, funny stuff, um, you know, because I mean, you live once. Why, uh, why be all stuffy about it? Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, my first question though is, has anybody ever told you that you look like a pretty fucking intense dude? That I what? That you look like a pretty intense no, dude. No, not at all. I, get, I actually think that I look goofy, to no. be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm sure like TSA agents, when you get mad. Well, I mean, I, I think that maybe coming from uh, Des Moines, you know, right. me, like what I look like is a little bit different to right. the area. So maybe that might be what you're, what you're getting. No, but man. You, you got the like, you got black hoodie knuckle tats you know <laughs> neck you're just one big tattoo yeah flat build hat mm -hmm. you know yeah it's a nice one too yeah yeah he got to pick gave you that hat so <laughs> <laughs> no i mean uh i think that it's just uh it's just my style i don't know yeah. I've, I've had all of these like the tattoo thing i've had done since i was like 21 so yeah. from like 18 to 21 i really went aggressive with the tattoos and in that in that era um, it wasn't popular to get a lot of tattoos. Oh, yeah. It was still like, it hadn't become commercialized or anything like yeah. that to where it's at now where there's TV shows and all oh, sort yeah. of stuff. So back then I was probably a lot scarier looking than you. Cause I mean, what I look like now is more common these days. Oh, yeah. Everyone's got everything all over the place and it's, it's more like accepted in culture these days. Yeah. And so back then I had a lot harder time, like I stood out a lot back yeah. then. Yeah. So do you like ever look at like SoundCloud rappers and shit and just be like, dude, I did this before it was. You know what's funny is yes, but then I try not to be like that that old dude that's yeah. like back in my day. Yeah. The old the, head. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I try not yeah. to. I try not to do that. So it's like, I'll. Uh, I just I just accept it. You know, yeah. it just is what it is. Yes, I did all that. I had face tattoos way before you did. I actually have a bunch that I got removed. Yeah. So I have some above my eyebrows. I got some on my cheeks. And that's why I can't even grow a beard anymore because I've had laser uh, laser you yeah. know, uh, removal yeah. of tattoo. And so that's the same thing as removing hair. Oh, so okay. my hair doesn't grow here. It grows all weird on my face yeah. now. And so, but like, I see that and I'm like, dude, been there, done that, but you can have it. Yeah. You had to walk uphill both ways to the tattoo shop in the <laughs> yeah, snow. In right? the snow. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. whole night. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is I got my face tattooed on my bed in my bedroom. Like, like my, uh, fr my buddy, he, my roommate or yeah, my roommate was a tattoo artist. And, uh, you know, after he would leave the shop at the end of the day, go back to the house yeah. and be like, all right, let's do something. Let's do a little something. And we were having a party one night at the house and, uh, and uh, he's like, let's do something different. And I was like, like what? And he's like, let's do a face tat. And I was like, all right. And so we did 
my cheeks, both my cheeks on my bed in the middle of a party I was having at my house. And I just come out of my room, face all red, covered in ink. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, uh, I actually do regret some of those things, though. Yeah. Hey, I mean, like I said, you only live once. And, you know, technology now, they're not there anymore. You know, you yeah, can erase yeah, some yeah. of the stuff. I'm sure. What, what's worse, getting them on or getting them off? Um, I think getting them on, really. Uh, it, it's The process both ways is not... It's not great. You know, yeah. I don't like it. Everyone's always asking, oh, does that hurt? Does that hurt? Yeah. They all hurt. Yeah. Some just hurt more than others. You know, like right, my yeah. ribs or my stomach yeah. or like the top of my head, whatever. Like that yeah. stuff was like like excruciating. But it's just like a, a rite of passage. Yeah, you yeah. know, like you just go through this like pain and you just live in it and you can't, don't have a choice. And then yeah. out, outcome is something that you like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The My only one is down my ribs and I got it then on, you, my, yeah, on my couch. Yeah. You know, okay. Because like my, my roommate's girlfriend was a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. And she's like over one day, like around Christmas. She's like, oh, do you want a tattoo for Christmas? I was like, yeah, sure. And she like just ran to the car and got her stuff. I was like, oh, right now? Like, okay. <laughs> oh, right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And the ribs hurt too. So. Yeah. It was a weird feeling because it's like pain, 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 relief. In mm-hmm. between, then you get on top of the next room, yeah. like pain, 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 and then it goes down low enough to where it hit the top of my hip, and that's when it really hurt. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's more like soft tissue in that area. Well, I'm like, this is, I was even thinner mm-hmm. back then, so <laughs> really? there was no soft tissue, oh, man. Okay. It was just skin and bone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, I can only imagine. So, yeah, it was just vibrating off my hip, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so not here to talk about your journey through tattoos, but, um, one thing that really I wanted to get into because I heard you on another podcast, which really kind of clued me into like really wanting to talk to you because, dude, like your story of where you were and the events in your life that got you here are just nuts. Like, not, not like when you lived them, you know, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, it's your life. But just for me on the outside hearing about it, I'm like, man, like this is a story that people need to hear. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I've only given the watered-down version of my story. And I, I I only do that because I feel like I'm not even – I don't even want to remember everything. Yeah. You know, like I remember – like I, I share the things that are like – they're not too far crazy mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things that like would kill people if I like talked about it. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I just choose not to talk about a lot of things. Right. And I just share like – what doesn't what wouldn't affect other people yeah. in the oh, situations yeah. you know what i mean right, yeah. so it's like the real story is like out of this world bro oh yeah like, yeah and i mean not even as bad as like some of the stuff that i heard chantel and uh and andrew go through man like their stuff i even i tried to talk about it in yeah. that interview and yeah. i could tell that they were trying to divert away from it mm-hmm. and oh, so yeah. i just i just steered away from it altogether yeah but the, some of the stuff they told me in private, like I, I can't believe that stuff, man. Like, oh yeah, they're they're mentally tough, and to have the outlook that they have still, and they're still happy and wanting to do, you know, do what they do. Yeah, for sure. Crazy, bro. So for sure. So, I mean, I guess like start with like how did you get into what started you in screen printing? Well, what's actually started me like the screen printing was. Or I guess sorry, like um, like you know your your story, like how you be kind of came who you are right like like where's that story start uh, like from what i've heard it's you know um you, you kind of were in a, you know i'm not going to speak your life we're like not in a great place in life mm-hmm. right and then found screen printing mm-hmm. um so like tell me about that like what well my my journey into the creative space altogether right. 
um, started when I was probably like 12 or 13. I was on uh, Microsoft Paint and I used to make, I just used to copy pictures off the internet. And this is when we had dial-up internet mm -hmm. where you had to make all the noises and if right. somebody picked up the phone, you had to yell at them because they kicked you off the internet, that yeah. whole, that era. Yeah. And so um, I would get images off the internet of like blank t-shirts and then I would put them in my, uh, in my paint thing mm -hmm. and then I would get like other images of stuff I liked and then I would yeah. crop it and then oh, put yeah. it over. And so that's, that was my intro to like graphic design, mm -hmm. you know, making my own brand t-shirts and I would show people, I'd print them out and be like, Oh, I'm gonna make this into a shirt one day and make a brand and yeah. all stuff. And I had no idea what I was actually talking about, but right. it was, the inspiration was there somehow. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't do anything with it at all until like, I think I was in art class in high school. I, I used to break dance a lot. That was like my interest for like years. Yeah. yeah so where, where were you like at this time? Like where this is Moreno Valley, California. Okay. Yeah. So it's like Riverside County. Okay. What's that? So, like a uh, Southern California? Yeah, yeah. Southern yeah. California. So it's like North of San Diego by two hours. Gotcha. So San Diego is like Mexico, yeah. you know, and then you so, just go North. A little yeah. I'm bit. trying to think, I don't know. I, Huntington beach. Yeah. I know. Okay. Huntington, so yeah. Huntington beach is, is on the water, obviously. So <laughs> if you were to go inland, about 30 minutes, gotcha. maybe 40 minutes gotcha. stops. If you just went gotcha. straight from the beach in. Gotcha. So Huntington, all that was like right there for us. LA was about an hour away. Yeah. Riverside's right there, 30 right. minutes. And then Marino Valley was like gotcha. our city. Gotcha. And, um, and so um, in high school, my teacher one day was just like, hey, we're going to silk screen a t-shirt, so make a stencil. So I made this little break dancing, like three break dancing guys doing three different moves. And I don't remember how we made the actual screen. Now that I think about it, I don't. Huh. I don't remember that process. Excuse me, but um, we had. A, I brought in a white T-shirt, little Hanes T-shirt, and then I don't remember how the ink got onto the shirt. But I did something to where the ink transferred onto the mm. shirt, and then I used like a, a gun, a heat gun, yeah, yeah. to cure it. Yeah. And then I wore that shirt. Like I was like, oh shit! Like yeah. I'm in my own shirt. Like this is crazy, and um, didn't do anything with it then either. Just right. made a shirt in class and yep. it was cool. Made designs when I was younger. It was cool. It was something fun for me. I used to try to design video games. And then um, I got to being Mr. Cool and Ego and getting all the tattoos and being in the bar scene. And all this was after high school, so like 21-ish. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, it like led into just the people led me into drugs and then it just became all about drugs and alcohol and partying Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And then this is when I did like this, I, I kicked it with a lot of celebrity people, you know, like the, the famous stars and straps people, like all oh, yeah. Travis Barker and all those oh, guys, yeah. um, all the gangster guys they kicked it with in LA. One guy was named Mr. Triggs. Um, he passed away, but super cool dude. Um, and then just whoever, like uh, some guys from like Cypress Hill, you know, you'd run, I ran into Steve-O from Jackass and him oh, yeah. and I had a few conversations. Um, First time I ever uh, smoked weed was with Be Real from Cypress Hill. Yeah, so I, 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 I saw Send Dog Beach, all the time. By the way. Right on, dude. Oh, so. Yeah, Be Real's cool, but uh, I would always see Send Dog. He was always out in like the, um, the, the West Hollywood scene, yeah. like uh, Rainbow Bar and um, Key Club and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So that's where I'd see all these guys. And that was like my era for a while. And then it just, I, I when I was with my buddy, Jesse, who was the tattoo artist guy I was talking about earlier, um, we would be out and everybody knew who we were because they saw us everywhere. You know, uh, Paul Wall and all these other people were just hanging out with everybody, bro. Rick Thorne was yeah. one of my friends for a while. And, um, and we were like, you know, everybody knows us. But what do they know us for? 
Right. They only know us because they know us. Right. Because they see us. And we're just in these circles and we look like we belong with these people. Right. So that's why they give us love. And that's why, you know, we're in these circles. But we, we add no value and we can't do anything. Like we're not making money by just hanging out with a bunch of people. That's not doing anything for us. It's not taking us to what we see in our mind where right. we want to be. So we're like, what do we do? And I don't remember exactly how it manifested into this, but this is what happened. So I didn't have anywhere to live. And my friend Jesse, we lived at this house at one time where he tattooed me at. That house got ruined by my drug and alcohol habit. And I got kicked out of there and it wasn't a house anymore. And then I'm just floating around. Ended up at Jesse's house on his couch in his garage. So he had like a a three-car garage. Mm -hmm. It's a two two and a one. Mm -hmm. So he blocked off the one and made it like a tattoo studio. And he had a couch in there, a TV. Like, it was nice, too. Like night, The floors were done and stuff. Yeah. He had crown molding and everything. Nice. But nonetheless, the couch that was there was covered in spider webs and it was nasty as hell. <laughs> and for some reason, that was the one thing that wasn't nice in there. And um, anyway, so I'm laying on the couch one night. I'm sure I was probably strung out and just not feeling good. And I'm laying there. I think I was playing uh, Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo. Yeah. And I'm sitting there playing Mario Brothers, and he walks in because he had a little door to it. It's like completely yeah. like its own room. He walks in, he goes, Hey, man, you want to start a clothing company? And I was like, Man, anything's better than what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And he was like, All right, well, let's figure this out. So we had a buddy that was a skateboarder um, that knew Photoshop. We knew that he knew Photoshop. So we picked him up, brought him back to the house. This is, you know, weeks later or whatever. And then we're like, all right, we want to see this. This is how we want it to look. Just describing all the graphics. I didn't know how to use Photoshop at all. And um, so I told him everything we wanted. Then we made an entire line, like an entire clothing line. And then we were like, okay, so how do we make shirts now? Right. And so um, what we did was we looked into it and we found a machine called a T-Jet. It was a, a DTG machine. Gotcha. Mind you, this was 20 years ago, somewhere yeah. around there. Um, and... So we went and found out it was about 30K, put it on credit, got this machine, and then we took it back. But it could only print like a small surface area. Like the little platen was really small. We're like, nah, man, like we want to compete with companies that were big at the time. There's a company called 187 Clothing that was really big. Um, there was another one. We're talking about like stars and straps. They had like huge prints. Yeah. 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 So th in that era at that time, huge prints were in. They went away and now they're coming back again. But yeah. at that time, it was all over. Like on the sleeves, they want yeah. like, there was fools making screens that were like the the the, the uh, emulsion yeah. was the shape the of a t-shirt yeah. and they were printing the entire t-shirt. Yeah. And so we were like, yo, we need, to, we need to play in that market. So how do we do that? And so what we did was I manipulated the machine. I bought, uh, I bought plexiglass from Home Depot and I made them a long platen, the whole size of the, a fucking like a 2XL shirt. And and I made it wider and then I went in the software and manipulated the software and then I was just like, let's see what happens, man. And sure enough, bro, first one that hit was the entire t-shirt, other than sleeves obviously, right, but yeah. like the whole body of the shirt, yeah. front and back. And I was like, dude, I figured it out. So we, we figured that out. And then we started this brand and then we had to figure out how to make a website, how to market it to retailers. We hit like, we were 22, 23 at the time, like trying to figure all these things out. 
And it was actually gaining traction because we were already well-known. Right, yeah. When we put the garments out there in all the clubs, all the da-da-da-da, it was yeah. something different. It was new. It was DTG. It was realistic prints. They were huge. Everybody else was screen printing, so nobody else was doing – they were just doing stencil style, just yeah. basically spot color. Yeah. And we were doing full, like, beautiful images on shirts yeah. that were just off the wall. And it was all L.A., like, streetwear-based, mm -hmm. you know? So it was just, it was a different texture, and so it, it was pretty popular. But then – um, I noticed that I was giving more time to this project than my partner Jesse was. Yeah. And I, it kind of got under my skin because like now I'm in hustle mode. I'm up right. at 5 a.m. I'm working out. I'm getting designs done. I'm getting the website going. I'm, I'm getting orders. I'm making, you know, photo shoots and da -da -da -da. I'm doing all this stuff. And then um, he's getting up at like noon. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, bro, I did like two days worth of work already, man. Where are you at? And like, I, it was consistently happening to the point of where like I have to do something else because I'm not just going to carry this dude on my back the whole time. Right. And he was my friend, but it was like, this is still like, we're on to something and I'm not going to lose my momentum because yeah. you are deciding to do whatever you're getting comfortable or whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, what if I started my own brand on my, on the side? And then I just figure out, do the whole thing and just do it on my own and see how, let me just like do like a case study. And I built my own brand off to the side. I did all my own designs because I figured out Photoshop on my own. I figured all the website stuff out. I figured everything out. And then that started getting traction and then he's like yo what's up man like this is a conflict of interest and i was like yeah but dude like you're never like available bro and i'm i'm on go mode right now like you tapped into something for me i, I gotta go and he's like well this ain't gonna work out man you gotta go and um i was like shit like uh i didn't have my machine anymore then i had to like figure out how to print and Another issue that we were having was these big ass prints that we were doing were really expensive because the ink for DTG at that time was like $900 for the case of four mm -hmm. and it wouldn't go through too many shirts before I needed more. Mm -hmm. So I was having to charge like I was charging 40 to 50, 40 to $60 just for one shirt, mm -hmm. like retail for like if you bought it directly yeah. from me. And then we were trying to go to wholesale and when we went to the retailers, they were buying shirts screen printer for like $8 wholesale. Right, yeah. And I'm like, look, <laughs> It cost me more than eight dollars to make this shirt, bro. Like, there's no way. I was like, I can wholesale it to like eighteen, and he's like, Shh, get out of here, fool. So that's when we had to make our own website printing, and then that's when I found out about screen printing. Right. So I wasn't even until like twenty three when I found out about screen printing, like what it actually was, nice. and then uh, bought a little setup, and then I had this little dude, this little Chinese dude that was in the. He was it. I had to get another space too, by the right way, now. during all this. So I rented a space, and in my uh, business park was a screen print supply shop. Like, well, that's how handy. lucky was yeah. I? I literally, like, I could walk from here to there with, like, 20, 30 steps, and he's right there. Right. And he was super cool, and he taught me, he burned my screens. He, like, taught me everything. Like, right. he's like, dude, this is how you do it, this is how you do it, this is how you do it. And uh, he always give me, like, if I need inks or if I didn't have money for something, he'd make sure I got it, whatever I needed. And he took care of me, and that's where I learned how to screen print was from that dude. Nice, nice. Yeah. So what, uh, what was the clothing brand? The first one was called Arrogant Apparel. Okay. Um, I remember my buddy that guy jesse and i we were sitting in this car we we're smoking a blunt and uh we we're super lit and we we're just sitting there and we we're like what are we going to call this clothing brand we we're listening to a little wayne song this is when little wayne had every song on the radio oh, yeah. he was like just saturated everything and uh we we're just sitting there and uh, he said something about being arrogant in one of the songs i was like damn arrogant i like that name because it kind of matched with who we yeah. were at the time and just like you know and so we, the first brand we called Arrogant, which is this huge A I have blasted on the side of my ribs. My whole ribs is our, our first logo. And then the second brand was called LA Bound. 
And I called it that because I was trying to leverage that company to get me to L.A. where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in the hustle and bustle. I wanted to be in the garment district hustling. I wanted to be at American Apparel. I wanted to be over there at AAA. I wanted to be everywhere. Like, and so L.A. was like really where my sights were set. So I called the second company L.A. Bound, and it, it, it did its thing, man. Yeah. And I was in L.A. all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, so, so with that, I mean, you got to L.A. off your, your clothing brand. Mm-hmm. So then what, what happened to it? So what happened was a buddy of mine named Brian Williams, rest in peace, Brian. Um, he introduced, well, he didn't introduce me. I had a buddy that was already a good friend of mine. He was an old roommate of mine. Um, but he introduced me to the world of debt collections. And the guy that ran the debt collections just passed away last year. Rest in peace to him as well, Wayne Swanson. Um, he was so when he was my roommate i used to see these novelty checks in the corner of his room like mm-hmm. you know those big ones that yeah. you get for winning prizes he had like 20 of them 18,000 40,000 36,000 25,000 i'm like what the fuck is this guy doing you know i didn't know right. i had no i never asked him like he just i just knew him as a baller he was always a baller he just knew how to make money you thought he was like going out and winning golf tournaments like, I don't happy, know. like happy Gilmore yeah like dude that basically he had like a bunch of them in the back of the car like that yeah. like in happy Gilmore. and uh and so when it came when he started, when brian came to my shop one day to buy some shirts he's like yo wayne wants to talk to you he hasn't seen you in a while and i was like man what's he up to he's like dude just come come by the office and let's talk and i was like all right set up a lunch so he set it up and then i went down there and then it was like i walked into like the movie boiler room right yeah okay so it was just like people at cubicles getting the phone just blah, commotion loud and i was like what the fuck there's so much energy in here and um so he was like you want to try it and i was like dude this is cool you guys are getting hand over fist cash yeah let me give me give me a seat and he's like cool i got you man so i came and did it and i was so bad i was so bad like so bad but it was like 30 days in or 60 days in and i had made like 300 dollars, (laughs) right i was just like it was right before christmas too and granted i was single at the time so i didn't have any like issues i didn't have to worry about anything but um I was just, I remember going in the office and talking to Wayne and I was like, yo man, like, I don't think this is for me. And I, he, I didn't realize he was on the phone with somebody, some dude was on speakerphone. And I, I have an idea of who this was, but I'm not sure hundred percent, but I, I feel like it's this guy, Stuart. And I hear this voice on the phone, Rich. And I was like, what's up, man? He goes, listen to me. He goes, hang in there 30 more days. I promise you will never want to do anything again for the rest of your life. Because it was Christmas time. So mm-hmm. no one's paying debts around Christmas time. Yeah, no yeah. one's paying debts around uh, Black Friday. Right. I didn't know this at the time. I, right. I was still fresh to the industry. So I started November n- uh, November 2nd, 2010, my first day in collections. And I tried to quit before the end of the year. Then the, that conversation happened. And the very next month, I made like three Gs. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. I'll hang in there a little bit longer. Right. Even though three Gs isn't a lot, it was still like better than 300 over 60 yeah, yeah. days. Like, and I made it in a quick period of time. And I was like, okay. So I hung in there and I spent like another five months there. And um, I had met my wife. Uh, it was m- uh, March 5th, no, March 1st. March 1st of 2011 is when I met my wife face to face. And her and I had gone to Vegas. We were like, yo, let's go to Vegas for the weekend and go well out. And we went out there 
and I had this Silverado, this black Silverado on 26 inch rims, subs in it, the whole like just super decked out, murdered out, yeah. fucking just the whole thing. Yeah, that sounds like a, a 2010s uh, LA baller car yeah, for sure. So yeah. I was doing that and uh, we were staying at Hooters. So I pulled in the Hooters valet, had the dude, I didn't even grab my bags. I was like, you know, I'm gonna get them in the morning because we showed up late. Excuse me. And so valet the truck, we just go in the room, I'm going to there hanging out, and I just pass out on the bed. I wake up the next day and I go to valet. Yo, I need to get my bags. And they, they come back like, yeah, I don't see your truck. And I was like, yeah, well, I gave it to your guy. You know, go ahead and go in that spot where he left we don't it. Have figure valet. it out. <laughs> Walk up and down with my remote if you have to until you hear the thing honk. I don't care how you do it. Just yeah. get it done. Yeah. And they do that for a while. Come back. There's no truck. There's no truck. There's no truck. And I was like, okay. They're like, I think your truck's stolen. And so... I'm like, what the fuck? And so, so we go to the security office, and they're going through the tapes, and they, they showed me the guy stealing my truck. They showed me the guy pull up, do the jimmy in the window, hop in, and just take off. And I was like, how did they know to go straight up to just my truck and grab all my stuff and dip out? How did they know that? Yeah. Yeah. So there was obviously a hustle going on between valet and whoever. Oh, like, yeah. oh, yo, there's a car here. It's got the 12s. it got the rims. it got everything yeah, you need. Yeah. And all his luggage is in there. Yeah. And so probably, all my stuff probably was rocking some Louis luggage or something. No, it wasn't nothing. I wasn't at that level yet, but, um, nonetheless, like they took all my stuff, all my hats. I had a huge hat collection I brought with me because I've always been a hat guy. Um, and just, and, every, every, and you're trying to like ball out with, you know, the, yeah, new, the girlfriend. new lady, like, yeah. yeah, we're trying to live it good. And then, uh, what's crazy. This is where it gets weird, bro. We end up having to stay there because like, we're trying to find my truck. Like, uh -huh. I, I'm not just going to leave without my truck. Right, they, yeah. all they, I know they just wanted the stuff. They wanted the rims. They yeah. wanted the stereo, whatever. Insurance will cover it. Yeah, they're going to find it on blocks somewhere. And that's what happened when it happened. So um, a couple, we said, you know, let's just stay here for a little bit. So like two weeks we stayed there. And then um, we start running out of money because we're staying there. And we're staying in these nice hotels, huh. steak dinners. And it was just... We were just eating like in just two living weeks. And I, yeah, and I two didn't go back to work. A long time, man. Yeah, and I didn't go back to work, mm -hmm. which is where all my bread comes from. Mm -hmm. So like it was starting to dry up, and so we ended up at this Motel Six, right? So we're like, fuck it, let's just get the Motel Six. I think they said they found my truck. They're gonna take it to a tow yard. They're gonna put some little whatever yeah. wheels on it so it can move. Put some steelies on it. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna put something on there. And so like, so we're like during this inter inter intermission, we're like trying to wait for it to to get it all resolved so we can pick my truck up, and then. I had a warrant in Vegas from years prior. I got a DUI and I was like, I'm not coming back to Vegas. I'm never going to court for this. Like, forget <laughs> that. So I just never took care of it, right? And so we go to Motel 6 and this is a year when, this is 2011, the uh, Celtics were in the playoffs against the Lakers. I was watching the playoffs. I was laying in the bed, sitting there watching playoffs and I get a call on the phone and they're like, yo, Hey, this is the front desk. Um, we just recently uh, worked on your AC. We want to just make sure everything's working good. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck? Wouldn't you test that when you worked on it? Why are you calling me to ask me that shit? Anyways, all right. Get out the phone. Within minutes, dude. Boom, 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 boom. Richard Tilly. Ah! And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And so open the door and the, the warrant for my DUI for a non-appearance uh, had, po had popped up. And they were. I was like, how do you even know I'm here? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? And they were like, um, big brother. So Motel 6, if a felon, or not felon, excuse me, if a someone with a warrant, excuse me, a bench warrant or anything like that, um, or a felon, I guess, okay. gets, um, gets, 
is they check in, yeah. they, they report it through their system, and then gotcha. they just pick, pick people up. Because obviously people are going to go to a motel sick right. people yeah. with issues. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think anything of it. It wasn't crossing my mind, nothing, man, and I get taken off the jail. And I spent like 30 days in jail. Good they God, were, man. Yeah, because it was, they were like, oh, he'll be out by uh, Monday, something like that. Oh. And it was like a Thursday or Friday. And so, um, so come Monday, I go to court, and the judge looks at me and he goes, you're not going anywhere. You're serving 30 days. And I was like, oh, like, I, I just met this girl. She's known me for like a week and I'm going to jail for 30 days. Uh, like I'll be in jail longer than I've known her. Like what's right, going yeah. on here, bro? Yeah. And, so, hey, uh, stay away from Motel 6s if you've... Uh, dude, yeah. So I used to write her letters hot. to the Motel 6 and I used to draw a burning Motel 6 sign on the on the cover of the letter. So, so she stayed at the Motel 6 she while there you were... until I got back, dude. She stayed there the entire time until oh, I got nice. out and she was right there waiting for me. Uh-huh. Had a nice hotel suite set up for me. Everything I needed, man, and she just took care of me. We've been yeah. together ever since. So like you that. got married before you left Vegas at that point? No, we what? got married... Uh, I think like a year, two years later. Yeah, yeah. But man, she she's in the bad boys, man. She's like two weeks in. I'm her, in her mom told her <laughs> get away. My mom told she called my mom. I was like, get away from that dude. Like, <laughs> I was a dick, but that's yeah. another story. Yeah, well, when you're twenties, man. Like, I don't have any Vegas story like that. The only thing I've ever really experienced in Vegas was uh, I took my brother-in-law for his twenty-first birthday to uh, Spearmint Rhino. <laughs> yeah, and because we're staying at the Trump Tower. It's like right behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm like on the phone with my wife, and I was like, "Oh, Spearman Rhino's like right behind us." Like, "Oh, take Chris out and go have fun." I was like, "Okay." So we we get over there. I'm like, "Man, like I'm not a strip club guy. I really yeah. haven't been since like the first lap dance I ever got." Like she just literally just like first thing she does walks up, get like turns around, puts her legs or my shoulders and backs up, and it's just like twerking in my face, like this close to my nose. And the only thing I can think about was like. Is it awkward if she feels me like breathing? <laughs> so uh, the whole time, uh, I'm just like, <laughs> try not to breathe on her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, but I get there and like, oh, you know, what are you into? He's like, I like Asian girls. Like, I get the bartender and like, hey, like, is there like Asian girls? Like, so I'm, he's getting a lap dance. We're kind of at the bar. And he's getting a lap dance on this side of me, and I'm just, like, having a drink, looking around. Because it's, it's actually a really cool place. Like, you know, the naked women help, but it's also a pretty cool bar. And uh, there's next to me, and he keeps kind of around me looking at my brother-in-law get this lap dance. I'm like, okay, like, hot Asian chicks, naked, like, right on this. Okay. Well, then he just turns and starts rubbing my shoulder, and he's like, man, that chick's got me so hot right now. I was like, dude, get the, get the fuck off me, man. That's what I was just like. I threw, like, I threw brother-in-law another like 100 bucks i was like i'm gonna go fucking play craft somewhere yeah, dude. Find me later. <laughs> it's getting weird for me over yeah, here like nah like some dudes just over here rub my shoulders like who knows his wife's oh, probably like i really back like what hotel. he's got going on like here. yeah i was like god damn what like there's a there's a strip club etiquette yeah that's just life etiquette I yeah i don't know all of the etiquette but i know that's in that's, there somewhere yeah, that's a you that's don't a touch forbidden. the strippers and you sure as shit don't touch the other people <laughs> at the bar right <laughs> so. so true man but yeah, that's about it for me with Vegas. I do like Vegas, though. Do you, have you gone back since? Uh, I mean, I, I I lived in Vegas. Um, from that experience, we lived there for about ten months. Yeah. So once I got my truck back, we decided to just stay a little longer and find things to do while we were there. And we ended up staying there for like ten months. And then yeah. that's where we actually conceived our first daughter. Was in Vegas. So we went. We left Vegas, moved back to Marina Valley, and 
right when we got back, we found out that Jenny okay. was pregnant with our, our first gotcha. daughter. Gotcha. And you're, you're still, were you doing debt collection stuff out in Vegas? No. Um, I don't remember what was going on out there. I think th- I tried this call. I tried to do a call center. <laughs> it was around election time or something like that. And there, there's call centers like asking people if they want to oh, like yeah. vote. Which oh, yeah. way they, I jumped in there. I remember I did it for like one day and I was like, I walked in, I was, because I knew how to crush phones from what I was doing yeah. before, so I was, like, doing that, and I was just, like, what am I doing here? I remember I, I was on the phone, somebody was talking, <laughs> I hung up, I stood up, and I left yeah. in the middle of my shift, and I never, I didn't pick up my check, I didn't nothing. I literally just stood up and left. I was, like, this is stupid. Yeah. And so my wife was doing stuff out there, and um, we, uh, and I had some money coming from the collections from residuals. And then we went back, and then I went straight back into collections. And what's crazy is the day we got back and I started collections was November 2nd of the next year, of next 2011. Year. And from that moment, when I don't know if it was just because I found out that I had a daughter coming or what it was. Some shit clicked with me, bro, and I was on fire. So I was really timid on the phones before. Like, I knew how to do my thing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like – a closer right i was somebody who generated calls then sent them to a closer to close the deals yeah. and when i came back they were like look man we need a closer like i got enough guys dialing out i need a closer and oh. i was like oh man like he's like look i've got a script i typed it out for you do this tape it just tape it right there on your desk and read it verbatim take your time you don't even have to sound like you know what you're talking about yeah. go like this and read it yeah. and so i did that the very first call i did i closed 1500 bucks and which is a third of it goes to me. So I made $500 on that deal. And all I did was look at the words and read them verbatim. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that's what I've been missing this whole time. Yeah. And then it was like everything closed after that. Yeah. Everything, everything. I was, dude, I was on effing fire to the point of like owning my own collection company less than an, another year later, yeah. putting in just so much work and I own my own. And at that point in time, like I went from, that first $3,000, you know, that I made that I was excited about to taking home almost 50 K a month, like a huge difference. And it was consecutive for, I would say eight years solid. Yeah. We just crushed it. And then I got with a partner. We went, it took me from like a $2 million a year business to $8 million a year. And we just kept going and going and going and going. And then I got the ego involved. Wall street shit. It was dude. It was insane. I had this house in Temecula that was in the wineries I think I was on five acres. I had a 360 driveway around my whole house. And it was like, it was an estate. It wasn't a yeah. house. It was an estate. I had a gate that you had to go and then go up this long, like quarter mile driveway to get to the top. And up there I had like a six car garage, a pool hall up in the top, freaking RV parking. Like I'm spitting on myself. <laughs> and then I had like 150 trees that I had manicured daily by this landscaper and Bentley, a Cadillac, couple Escalades, brand new Silverado, um, some other shit. I don't even remember. Probably like some wild shit, like gold plated AK. Just, dude, I had huge safe full of guns yeah. and just, it was just out of this world. And it's just like this ego just super kicked in, right? Because yeah. I started getting this real money that I wasn't ready for, at least not How, how old were you at this point? Uh, like 28. Yeah. Yeah. 28, 29. Making what, a couple mil a year? and We were crushing. Yeah. We were, we, I, don't, I don't even remember. It was just because the way we did our taxes was like, 
we made it look yeah. like we had nothing. You don't make any money. Huh? Yeah. Well, what's dope is in this in the industry, and actually, I think this goes for any industry. So there's some secret sauce for you guys who are all watching. Um, you're allowed a tax break of I think it's 150 thousand a year for intellectual property. So between my partner and I, and that's that's tax free. So you can take $150,000 for your personal intellectual property of your business and pay that to yourself tax-free. So we did. So 300000 was designated to my partner and myself for our intellectual property that we were untaxed for. And then on top of our salaries and yeah. not, you know, our yeah. commissions. You know, were, was it the trick like the companies buying the cars, right? No, dude. And then what was dope is because we were in collections, the type of game we played, the, the Wolf of Wall Street, the, the boiler room yeah. style, you are always on like someone's radar you're you're always yeah. playing in the black so there's always someone trying to crush you and take you out and sue you and right. there's this game you play this cat and mouse with like the uh, cfpb um and um and like just debtors in general they're, they're attorneys yeah. they're like hey, they're sending you cease and desist letters or we're going to sue you because you said something wrong that you yeah. you, you didn't right. follow the rules the rosenthal act and all this other shit and so um, so what we did to, to get out of that, to not get sued so much and all that stuff was we changed our corporations every three years. So you're allowed to take a loss as a company for three years consecutive, uh -huh. say like I lost three years in a row before IRS is like, dude, what the fuck's really going on? Yeah. Three years and you guys lost every time. Uh -huh. So you're allowed a three year leniency. And so we would change the corporations in less than those three years every single time. So we didn't pay any taxes for all those years right. that we did that yeah. secret sauce guys yeah. um I, but that's only if you play that type of game if yeah. you're trying to play a game where like it's longevity you're trying to open a google or yeah. something like yeah. that's going to be forever right. yeah. you're not going to play like that yeah. but the cat and mouse game that we played had to be played like that and yeah. that's just what we learned we watch other people get raided we watch other people get shut down yeah. we watch people get their bank accounts wiped out all these other things, merchants get taken from them, all kinds of stuff. There was huh. always something. Some of you here, somebody's getting cracked over here. We changed offices all the time. We changed business names, LLCs, DBAs, just, just nonstop. And then we had uh, online, we had um, what's called a uh, reputation defender. Okay. So any, so they would write a bunch of articles, have a bunch of websites, blogs, all this stuff about your business, your business name, and it's all positive stuff. Yeah. So when people go to blast you on the internet, that's like so far, like right. get page two on Google. So they wouldn't yeah. even see that because there's so much content that's being posted about your specific organization. Right. And then not only that, we would rent like, um, we would rent those suites like I was talking yeah, about yeah, earlier. Yeah, the virtual suites. So we'd rent virtual suites. So that, that was our mailing address. So you never, like if you looked us up, Oh yeah, it's a real building. And then you call and there's a receptionist answers. Yes, they have a suite number da, 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 over here. Right. Like, so that was like our buffer between our, like our actual location where we had a lease for years at a time uh, where we couldn't give up that spot. And then that was our buffer between yeah. us and the consumers. So, so while you're doing all this too, are you like out at fucking one Oak at bottle service? And I never, I didn't go that far, man. It just, um, it was like, like, my local area, like I would just ball out at the whatever bars or like, yeah. you know, just, I don't know, dude. It was, it was yeah. All bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really bad. So, so, so what got you out of that? What, so you're, you're my wife, 28, making all this money, right? Ego. I can see that just probably. And I mean, other than like you just said, your wife, the people around you probably aren't checking your ego very much, right? Not at all. Well, because they were all yes, men. Yeah. I was paying, but what are you doing? Like my partner did. He was like, dude, what the fuck? Stop, stop it. And I, I was so gone that there was no stopping it. I had created this monster that there was, it needed to be destroyed. Like yeah. it had to. And, um, 
And that's what happened, man. I, I, I took it too far. Yeah. Uh, and me and my wife, we had a conversation and um, she was like, we need to leave. We can't be here anymore. Like, I don't want to live here anymore. Like, you fuck this business. Yeah. I don't care how much money you're making. Right. Like, look what it's doing to us. Right. The money's not making our lives better. It's making us worse. Yeah. All it did was magnify who I right. was, which yeah. was a piece of shit, apparently. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, we're like, were you so, were you still doing like drug, drug yeah, yeah. stuff? Yeah, so I had got, it had gotten so bad. I was overdosing. People were like, it was just all bad. And um, there was an intervention at my house. Like my, my personal trainer had been there my wife family like there was they was like you need to fucking stop like yeah. and i had just done like seven grams of coke like beef right before the intervention so I was, the door. yeah i was uh, like all out of my mind like a fucking idiot and uh, then we moved to idaho and unfortunately i took me with me to idaho right, yeah. you know what i mean and so i was still doing the same shit up there my wife kicked me out of the house so i had got my own apartment by myself and I just couldn't stop. I opened a collection office up there because I knew I, I just yeah. knew it inside and out. And, yeah. you know, mind you, I skipped the part where when we left uh, California to go to Idaho, um, I couldn't run the business anymore, obviously. And we right. had five offices over three states. We had 120 employees. It was it was it was booming. And um, Shit, you probably you probably called me. So I was I've been in my young twenties here. You probably calling me. You called everybody because <laughs> you understand. I was on we're the losing side of those thousands calls. of accounts every single day. <laughs> thousands of accounts, like tens of thousands, because there were so many people. And um, and I remember going to him, and I was like, "Here, I put a number on the table. Like, look, this is what it's going to take for to buy me out." Yeah. And he's like, "Okay, but I can't give you that at once." So we worked out a, a commission deal where it was paid out over a year's time. Yeah. So I had gotten a salary for a year for doing absolutely nothing. I just kind of remotely checked in here and there, but I kind of stayed out of the way. Yeah. And with that is when I started my own collection company so I could start making cash, like yeah. big cash again. And then um, uh, I think the the work ethic in Idaho was just a little bit different. Right. They don't work like people in Cali when I was hungry. Yeah. So little, finding those sharks. A little slower speed. Yeah, <laughs> finding those sharks was a little more challenging. And then there was just a point where I was just like, man, what am I, do I really want to do this anymore? Is this really what I want to do forever? Is this piece of shit fucking collection thing? Yeah. Like, like I'm tired of this. Like I got, I'm just tired of it before, yeah. before I was over it, yeah. which is why I didn't show any interest and just left the office and right. fucked off all day. Right. And, um, and, was and this? so I was still doing drugs during all right. this time too. And then I had been kicked out living on my own and, um, my wife was pregnant with our third daughter at this time and I'm still fucking off and it was december 31st of 2018 um i'm it was new year's eve obviously mm -hmm. and i just got a bunch of shit and i was like this is it like i i remember texting my mom i was like i'm not a good man i i'm not a good father i'm not a good husband i'm not a good person i'm just i can't fucking get a hold of this so i'm done i'm spiritually done i'm mentally drained i have nothing left to give i gotta go and she didn't even text me back and um oh no she did text me back she goes hey let's talk about it tomorrow and i was like yeah, i didn't even respond to that shit but uh so i went super like over the top and i just tried to make it happen and i remember laying in my bed and i closed my eyes and i could feel my heart just like trying to uh trying to overdose escape my chest yeah, yeah, yeah like it was going big time and i just closed my eyes and i was with the intention of not opening them again right you know and the next morning i did wake up obviously yeah. I woke up and I was just like, it's over, it's done. Like, I can't do this anymore. 
whatever whatever the fuck it is i'm what i did was i locked myself in my room and i didn't even have anybody else there but i locked myself in my bedroom and i stayed there for like the next three days up until the day my daughter was born which was january 3rd so from the 31st up yep. until the third i just stayed in that room and i just stayed there and i just didn't answer my phone didn't talk to nobody and i just was like i need to stop like i have to grab a hold right. of this shit and then my daughter was born, you know, by the grace of God, my, my wife let me be there for that, even though she didn't, she shouldn't have. And she let me be there for that. And I think that that moment, I just made a promise to her, like to her, my daughter, that she would never see me the way my other two daughters saw me. Right. And I've not broken that promise. I've stayed sober. She's now going to be five, you know, she's yeah. this next year. And so I'm almost five years sober. And, uh, and then are you uh, like are you doing that just on your own are you in programs no or? i just yeah literally that day was it yeah. from 15 plus years yeah. of yeah. drug addiction and alcohol abuse yeah. just stopped yeah. it was just done i never again yes. am i touching this shit yeah. and there's ways that i there's ways that i got to that point like yeah. to be able to just do it on my own but that's for a whole nother conversation but um but then so when my year time went out and I lost my Bentley, lost one of my Escalades. I was down to, and I lost my Silverado. I was down to one Escalade. Sold, I'm assuming you sold the, uh, sold the estate, right? Yeah, yeah, we, when we left, yeah, yeah. when we left uh, California. And so I had two cars left and it was a, a 66 Coupe de Ville that I completely restored. It was a promise I made to myself when I was a kid that I, when I got enough money and got older that I would build a show car. So I yeah. built this beautiful uh, Cadillac de Ville. Um, and then I had, I had that in my, one of my Escalades left. And so I sold the de Ville, which left me with just my Escalade. And uh, that de Ville is the money I got from that is what I used to buy somebody's screen printing business. Gotcha. I was like, you know, what do I want to do now? And I was like, man, I, I remember I like screen printing. I remember like I used to love mm -hmm. doing it instead of me printing my own brand and hawking that off. Let me try to print other people's stuff now yep. so I can actually make a business out of it. So I don't have to try to eat everything I kill every day when I'm, you know, growing right. my own brand. Yeah, yeah. And so I found somebody, they wanted a, a lot of money and I was like, I used my skills as a closer for the last decade of my life. You pulled out the piece of paper and, and started I got reading pennies on the dollar for his shit, dude. Yeah. It was, it was almost embarrassing. It was almost like I went in there and held a gun to his fucking face and said, give me all you got. And so I got everything for super cheap, bro. Like I think I spent like five K and I got someone's whole business. And so, which included all the equipment, the inks, they had over a thousand shirts and stuff. They had racks and dryer dark room yeah. the whole the whole real deal like it was an eight color eight station let's spit again <laughs> um it was an eight color eight station press it looked like an anatol that's what i thought it was because yeah. the dryer was an anatol and the press was the exact same color yeah. but it was like called a continental or something like yeah. that i never even heard of it anyway so i used that press for the uh first year or so of that business and it got to the point of where i was like standing at this press like 18 hours a day and i was like dude i need to do something like i we got to figure something else out and so that's when i found out about auto presses and then uh so i found out about ryan and all that stuff and uh we flew out to long beach for the convention yeah there was one where they had like sublime playing and all nice. that stuff and what was that dude with the plastic face called mark mcgrath um he oh, was yeah. there sugar ray yeah so they were performing 
and uh, or sugar gay. Some some sixteen <laughs> six, no. Some, I don't know. I, that's not even a human. Whatever that thing is on his face is not a face. Well, yeah, I say that because there's like a very famous video of him like uh, coming out of like a, a club or a restaurant or something, mm-hmm. and uh, like some kid calls him sugar gay. <laughs> He's like a, he's like about to like beat the shit out of some fifty year old kid until he realizes that everybody's got cell phone cameras. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I mean, I could see why I said it, but, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's when I first got introduced to rock presses, right? Gotcha. The green presses, and uh, and then I went back to the drawing board. We found out they were like way too much money, and I was right. like, let me figure out something else. So we found one. Somebody sold one privately, and so right. I flew out to. Uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. from uh, Coeur d'Alene and I took a duffel bag with tools I didn't know what I was going to need I, I didn't know anything about these presses I seen it for a few minutes at a trade show you right know? and uh, I had this duffel bag I just packed any tools in there and that's all I flew with I didn't even take clothes I literally just took a duffel bag and I flew to this dude's shop pulled up with a 26 foot U-Haul or a Penske truck or whatever yeah, yeah. and uh, went to the back of the shop and he's like showing me the stuff and he's like yo uh Where's your rock tech? And I was like, what the fuck is a rock tech? <laughs> You're a technician. You come take it apart. And I was like, I don't have a technician. I didn't even know you, that was a thing. Yeah. He was like, so how are you going to do it? And I was like, my tools. Yeah. You know? yeah. And he's like, I don't know. There's bolts. I'm going to undo He's like, do you, do you know how to do it? And I was like, no. But, I mean, it, I, that does looks like that holds on there. That holds yeah. on there. Yeah. I'll just I'll take this shit apart and see what happens. And I'll, so I did that. I did that. I put it in the back of the truck and then I drove straight to Idaho and then rebuilt it in my shop the next day. So within 24 hours, I was full trip and had the press built in my shop. Nice. I built it myself back in my shop. I just reverse engineered everything I did Yeah. and worked perfectly. And nice. then Ryan had got wind of that. And so that's where our relationship kind of started building. Cause he's like, how did you do that without a rock tech? Right. Everybody asked that. And I was like, dude, it's not like, it's not rocket science. There's, Bolts here, there's bolts there. Just fucking put them together. An airline, you know, yeah. clips and wires. Like, it, it's it's self-explanatory. Right. So, um, so I just did that, and that's where we initially started our friendship. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. So, 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 um, how long did you do that in Idaho? I think like two years. Yeah, yeah. We did two years uh, on the auto, so probably about three years total with the whole Ink yeah. Lab project. Yeah. Nice, and then. <laughs> This is where it gets weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing this is what you want to hear. No, no. I mean, I, the whole thing's crazy to me, man. Okay, like, you're so. all Wolf You're like some West Coast Wolf of Wall Street in a Bentley. By the way, like during that time, what's the, like, do you remember, what's the craziest thing you bought? So you just look back now and you're just like, that was so dumb. Uh, like or dumb? not even dumb. Like, did you go fucking drop like, 50 grand on a Rolex just because you felt like I it? I wanted to. <laughs> there was a lot of times where I wanted to buy all those like, things like that and i mean i we, I could have but um we were just like consumers so yeah. we were just like dude, it was more about houses for us houses yeah. and cars like, yeah we had big houses huge houses like yeah. back to back just these like because my wife and i both come from very very modest you know humble yeah. beginnings so it's like if i'm able to do it i'm gonna do it like you said yeah. you only live once kind yeah. of thing so yeah. it's like i'm not taking none of this shit to the grave with me so let's live it up yeah not being like responsible and like right. you know yeah. investing yeah. and making our money make money we were just spending the money that i was making yeah and so i mean my 
I had over a hundred pairs of shoes. I had a, a bedroom dedicated to my shoes and like yeah. hats. I was told yeah. I was a big hat yeah. guy. So I had room dedicated to all like my, my, my clothes, my wife, same thing, had all the cool stuff and kids had everything they needed. Cars had everything. I mean, so I bought that DeVille I was telling you about. Oh. I bought it for, it was a birthday gift to myself. And uh, I think I spent like 6K on it. And then I spent, probably spent updating everything another 70 80,000 yeah and it was like every week i was spending two to three g's like back to back every huh. week the mechanic and the this guy and the wraps and huh. the rims yeah. and the grills and the interior yeah. and it was boom boom it just went from place to place to place to place to place until this thing was like yeah perfect. was it uh was it the place that did uh was like exhibit doing all the work no on? it wasn't it wasn't like that i i found you know i had friends yeah. you know that, that had like their own yeah. things you know it's just like like screen print shops yeah. you got more popular ones and you just got yeah. you yeah. know your regular ones yeah. um so i just i got it done man and it, it that was a really expensive thing and i yeah. think all my bentley they wanted me to i put down like thirty thousand dollars yeah. i think it was my down payment on the bentley yeah oh, was it like a gt yeah, yeah it was a gt yeah, yeah it was a gtc actually yeah. um, which is a convertible yeah so nice. and the crazy thing about that right so i go to the dealership I'm like, yo, I want the hard top because I love how it slants back. Yeah. The ass end goes down like that. That was my favorite thing because my buddy Wayne, the guy I was telling you got me in the collections that died, he uh, he would let me borrow his Bentley because like, he was the, the big dog and I worked for him for a while. So he would always have one. I'd be like, hey, let me take it for the weekend. He'd be like, cool, threw me the keys. And I would just yeah. have his Bentley. And then it was just for inspiration. Yeah. He had like Ferrari, Lamborghinis. He had an airplane. Um, and this is all off a collection. He was just regular dude like you and me. And yeah. he just fucking figured it out and all yeah. of a sudden he just had everything you know and he was helping people like putting people like myself on and like teaching right. me how to make money and how to be a millionaire right. and um and so the the story behind that is i wanted that 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 convertible yeah, the, or not the, the fast but the, the hard time. Yeah, i just love how look i like those little windows in the yeah, back yeah. like it had like the whole window thing opened up so yeah. it was like the little windows the little triangles in the back yeah. would go down and yeah. then my big window would come yeah. down yeah. and just look sick like that shit was sick yeah, yeah. and so when i went to the dealership i took my daughter and my wife with me and my daughter's like oh i want the i want the convertible and i was like man like, damn it you had to go say that yeah, right? come on i want the damn convertible like i want the yeah. i like that hard top because the convertible is like more like a girly one you know yeah. and um she convinced me to do it so we got the damn convertible well, couldn't, couldn't talk yourself and i just buy one of each huh <laughs> Not that day. <laughs> and so uh, I wasn't going to put 60 grand down, but um, got the, got the uh, convertible. And then her and I drove off the lot and we hit the freeway because it was right there. Mm-hmm. Second we hit the freeway, she's like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Put that shit on. And I was like, bro, like, I didn't want this motherfucker from the start. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then so yeah. I got a Bentley, but it was not like my dream Bentley. Mm. It was... You know, my yeah. daughter's, you know, whatever she picked. Yeah, kid, man. <laughs> you know. But nonetheless, it was still a really cool car, and I enjoyed it, and it was fast. and Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it made me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. So, yeah. So, screen printing in Idaho, and then, right, like, crazy shit just happens, right? Okay. So, with that, we had a daycare that was uh, next door to us, shared a, a wall mm-hmm. with us, with our company. And we printed all their stuff. They had five locations and we printed all their stuff and their bill every month was somewhere around like a thousand bucks in, in uh, merch that they would get. So I was like, hey, how about we do this? My two youngest, let me put them in the daycare so we can be close to them next door. Yep. 
we know they're being taught they're with other kids they're mm -hmm. not just with grandma all day at yeah. the house like they're interacting with people and so let's do that so we put our kids over there and that was the trade-off we'll print all your stuff right you watch my kids it was all good it was all good until it wasn't like one day i don't remember what the initial kickoff was but there our kids were coming to us saying that teacher was mean you know this is before my daughter can actually yeah. talk talk yeah. and teacher was mean da, 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 and like these things and we we're like oh just thinking it's like whatever yeah your teacher told you no when you didn't yeah. want something or something. And then uh, over time, we had talked to the daycare about it. They're like, what? You're tripping? No yeah. way. And then another, one time our daughter was like, yeah, they didn't feed us because they didn't have groceries or something. And they're, they're supposed to have everything they yeah. need like right, yeah. on a regular schedule and couldn't find out they didn't have groceries. Like They were being withheld for some reason. And then um, another situation happened where one of the kids was just in the parking lot and he pissed his pants because he was scared because they fucking left him outside. Yeah. They, they, there was like a little play area outside that right, they would yeah, walk yeah. the kids across and it was gated and they could play there. Well, somebody left an entire kid outside and never thought to check when they got in. They were all my kids yeah, here. Yeah, that's not – my wife runs a daycare. So, like, just thinking about that stuff, she's like, what the okay, fuck are these so people this, doing? So there's that, there was that one situation. And then one night my wife's giving my daughter a bath and then my other daughter comes up to me and she's like, yeah – this specific teacher had punched uh, a Penelope in the head, like right on the head. And I was like, where? She's like, right here. And I was like, let me go see. And I walk in the bathroom. She's in the bath. I move her hair to the side, and there's a bruise. And I was like, what the fuck? So all were you about to fucking lose us, it? All these things they've been telling right. us were actually, like, for real happening. But, you know, you just kind of yeah. don't always believe kids because you right, think yeah. it's just, you know, whatever. And it wasn't that we weren't trying to listen to our kids. It just wasn't, like, that obvious. Like, when right, we yeah. go there, it looked like a great daycare, you know? Right. And then, so then we like really start getting into it. And then I, I don't remember what, something else had happened. And to the point of where I was like, oh no, this is what happened. So we were like, you know, we need to file criminal charges. Like got to do, we got to do the right thing right. kind of thing. So we go to the police station. They're like, okay, file the police thing, blah, blah. And then we get a call or we follow up on the case. And the, the detective's like, oh, it's going to take up to like 18 months uh, to... And we had pulled our kids out of there, obviously. We had beef with them at this yeah, point. Yeah. Like, fuck you guys, all that stuff. And um, he's like, it's going to take up 18 months to close this case. So, you know, I won't have any... I will let you know when we get it closed. And I was like, 18 months? I was like, there's God knows how many kids in this right. building, that building, right. that building, that building, being food withheld from them, being hit... Da, da, da. People were like reporting their kids being stabbed with scissors. Well, so like, were there other parents reporting anything? Everybody was, yeah. right? And come to find out, they were just denying all the cases. They were like, oh, case closed, case closed, case closed, case closed. And I was like, and then I start digging in, digging in, digging in. I'm really digging in on these people. And I find out that they, it's just a huge, like, just money scheme for them. They're just taking parents that get the government checks. So it's like they don't uh – -huh. they're just collecting. And what they were doing was putting too many kids per teacher. Yeah. They were doing all kinds of stuff. They were getting tipped off by this, the, the state. When someone was coming to do an inspection, then they would balance it back yeah. out, stock the refrigerator, oh, do yeah. all the – put everything where cords are supposed to be and all this yeah. other stuff. They were oh, doing yeah. all – getting this. So when the person came in – it was all good. Oh, there's nothing wrong here. So they had no like bad reviews yeah. or whatever you call yeah, it. Yeah. No strikes against them. Against them. And, um, and then um, I go online and I tell my story online. I just go on my Instagram and I just say what happened. What happened with us? And overnight, it got like seven, 8,000 views. And the whole entire community had heard about it. 
And my fucking inbox was lit up by parents with stories, stories, stories that were, we went to the police department, they denied our case, denied our case, over and over and over and over. And then I was like, you know, I know people at the news, at the news station, because I did some other stuff with Ryan Moore with the mask bullshit, and I sold a bunch of masks through the news, but I don't believe in masks, by the way. The second the scam was found out about, I took them off my website. I didn't sell another mask. This was at first when everyone didn't know what the F was going Uh, on. All businesses were shut down. I just got in on the all made thing. So anyways, outside of that, um, outside of that, uh, so got the news involved. They came out and did a report. It got even bigger. And then to the point of where the police were like, you need to shut the fuck up because we have an investigation. You're ruining it for us and all this other stuff. And I was like, you ain't doing shit. You told me it's going to take 18 months. I'm going to hold court myself here in the street. You step aside since you can't do shit. And then we started getting death threats through uh, emails, through like these spam emails and like all like, like literally people were fucking with us left and right. And I'm like over a daycare. What is this dude? Why, why are the police protecting these people? What is, what is going, what's going on here? So I'm digging and digging. I'm getting resources. We're being followed. Like there's all kinds of shit going on. I'm having a, in Idaho, it's open carry. So I had my AK on my passenger seat all the times. I got my 45 on my hip at all times. And I'm just like, I have to live like this. And then even it got so ugly to the point of where Ryan Moore sent me a bulletproof vest. He's like, look, man, I see what's going on out there. It was public. Everything. This was getting really big. I know I'm, I'm not explaining everything, but yeah. but this was like a huge deal in the area. And all my witnesses, they were getting their phones scrambled. Um, they So they had somebody that knew how to scramble phones. My phone got scrambled. I had an iPhone and they scrambled it. I didn't even you can I, hack an iPhone. What do you mean by scramble? Like, all my shit was messed up. The microphone didn't work anymore. Like, I couldn't access my phone. I couldn't call it. If I tried to call out, nothing would happen. Like, and I saw the guy pull up in front of my shop and do it. I watched him pull up, open a laptop, and I'm on my phone. And it just starts spazzing out. And then I couldn't use it anymore. And then he drives off. And the same thing consecutively happened to all my, like, key witnesses. People that were managers of the facilities. People that were, like, that were workers there that were, like, yeah, I want to testify because it was really bad. And we were putting together a class uh, class action lawsuit. And so what what was like the catalyst? Um, I had found out that the brother of one of the owners was running the um, drug task force on the on the in the police station. So they were trying to get me off the street because I would not shut up. No matter how many times they told me, I kept yelling it to the fucking, hey, the flood is coming. I was acting like Noah, like, (laughs) yo, pay attention. There's shit going on here you guys need to know about. And they they fucking hated it, man. And um, so what happened? So one day we're at the shop. My wife took off to go handle something, so she left. I had just got some new employees that was training how to, cause it was like starting to scale really mm-hmm. big. And I was like, yeah, hey, I need you guys to clean screens, organize the shop, do all right. this stuff while I'm printing. And uh, they're in the back cleaning screens. I was standing at my manual press and I see my wife pull up in front of the shop and I, she calls me, she goes, hey, we need to talk. And I was like, all right, I'll be right out there. So I jump in the truck with her and we're sitting directly in front of the double doors in front of our shop. You know, like let's say the boys, like right in front of the front right. door basically. Yeah. But it was raining that day. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat with her, and we see this guy with a hoodie come on from the from the left side. Right. And he's looking in our windows like this. 
and we're both looking at him like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Because we were talking about, so we're sitting in the truck talking about the main detective, all this. Yeah. She voiced, she had a recording of him telling her that he's going to get me arrested for uh, a, a, not menace to society. What is that other shit called? Like disturbing the peace or something? Uh, something to that yeah. effect. Yeah. Anyways, like that I was causing a huge commotion and they yeah. were going to arrest me. Right. Like that was if I didn't shut the fuck up right then. Like this was like discreetly being said, not like off the record, but then she was recording them and right. they didn't know it. So we have all kinds of shit, bro. And so we're, she's sitting there telling me about this conversation she had with Homeboy playing the, the, the recording and that dude walks up. And mind you, these are all events that are happening non-fucking-stop. Like, right. it's just, like, same thing with the cat and mouse thing. Like, right. we just swat, like, the, the, the thing where you hit the mole and the yeah. whack-a-mole and yeah. another one pops yeah. up. We're like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then just keep coming from every angle, right? And we've got guns all over us and this and that. Like, it was just getting, like, this is yeah. my new life. Yeah, you're walking like, around with a fucking bulletproof vest dude, on. Dude, this, yeah, every like day. 50 cent. I even met with one of the police officers that I knew in private, and I was wearing a bulletproof vest, and he's like, bro is it that bad and i was like how do you not see this motherfucker like you're in the mix of all this shit right your people are doing this to me don't tell me you don't know what the fuck's going on dude right and he's just playing stupid and um and so we this guy's looking through the window and then my wife opens the door and she goes can i help you and he goes he looks over and he's like oh damn like we like yeah. startled him and he's like is this a tattoo shop and then both of us are like Bitch, you know that shit ain't no tattoo shop. Right. Everybody knows who we are. Get out of here. Right. And then he goes like, he's trying to pull something out of his hoodie, like, and his hand was stuck. So whatever he had was bigger than his uh, hand with it. Uh, yeah. And so I fucking jump out the truck, and my wife jumps out the truck, and we start to chase, chase him down. I, I believe yeah. that's what happened. And then he takes off, but he takes off in a direction that there's, where the fuck are you going? There's right. nothing over there. He had gone and f there was a car that was waiting over there. Yeah. He was coming into that shop to smoke me or whoever the fuck was the first one that he ran into. Yeah. And he had a, a car, a getaway car parked on the side way the fuck over there was nothing at. And he got in that damn car and he took off driving. And I was like, chase him. And then so my wife jumped in her Suburban and just chased this motherfucker, dude. So down the main street, he's flying, bro. And she's recording it while she's driving. She's, Ooh, this dude's blowing through lights. And then they, this was like early in the morning too, like 8.30, 9 a.m., something like that. And then they, they come up to a school zone. And so my wife backs off. She right. just lets him off. Right. And he just fucking blasts through the school zone and gets away. He had some Washington plates. And, um, and then she comes back. She's like, yeah, she showed me the video, got away. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the police station. I'm going to talk to this fucking detective and tell him I'm done. Like, I can't live like this anymore. This is fucking yeah. stupid nobody's doing shit about it. Nobody's going to do shit about it. Right. I'm going to keep screaming it until yeah. I'm gone. Like this doesn't make any sense. Right. So I hope, I mean, at least hope from this, I mean, the, I would assume, I mean, obviously like you're mad that it happened to your kid, but I'm assuming what you were worried about was like the other kids, like they're doing still shit people. My daughters were fine. <laughs> yeah. I took them out. So I, I took them out in the woods, uh, on this real, on this really nice trail in quarter lane. And, we just sat by the water, the lake, and like we just, I taught her how to forgive. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like just sit there right. and forgive your, the people that did these things to you because it wasn't your fault. Right. There's nothing you can do about it now. All you can do is forgive so that you don't have to hold on to that energy forever, you know? Right. And so that was like, we blessed that situation right. in that regard just so I can teach her how to just, you're still good. Everything's yeah. good. They didn't do anything too bad. 
for the most part that I know about. Yeah. Let's just forgive, dude. And so we did that. And, um, and then, um, so we went to this, uh, detective. I pulled up on him. He tried shaking my hand. I brushed his bitch ass off and I was just like, let's just go in the office. He took me in a little interrogation room, Mm -hmm. trying to make it all official. Yeah. And I was like, look, dude. And I looked him in his face. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done talking. I'm done with this fucking game you're playing. I was like, you guys can have your little child abuse ring. I don't know why it's so important to you, but I'm done. And he was like, good. And that's the last thing he said to me. And I just stood up, turned around and walked away. My wife was in the parking lot in her truck. And, um, and I looked at her and I was like, we got to go. Like, we're not, we're not safe here anymore. Like he confirmed everything by his response right. it wasn't like you know what man you're tripping like there's but he was like good shut the fuck up like let me get back to what i gotta do and uh i called somebody that i knew in the screen printing industry a local it was, i don't want to call my competitor because i don't look at anybody's competition right. like that especially in that industry but someone else that had a screen print shop right. local to mine that was a rock shop and i was like look same thing again here's a number have this on my desk in the next two hours and everything i have is yours and he showed up within two hours with that number that i asked cash in hand and he brought his own team of movers and we stripped the press apart we stripped my everything like my entire shop within from the moment i left that detective's office to four hours later my shop was completely empty and gone everything i was gone everything i had worked for it was gone i had a fat stack of cash in my hands but everything was gone And I was like, we got to go. So we left. We went to our house. Put She had a Suburban. I had my Escalade. Packed it as much important stuff as she could in there. Packed the same thing with my truck as much as we could to full to the brim. Everything else had to stay. And we left that day. We left everything, our couch, our furniture, my book collection, like right. anything that wasn't like immediately needed. Right. And we drove to Nebraska. We had family in Nebraska. That's why I have a 402 number, yeah. by the way, because I cut my old phone off. And oh, then when I got a new oh. phone, it, I was in Nebraska. I needed oh. a fucking phone. Yeah. So I got a 402 number just because I didn't want to be tied to the oh. uh, Coeur d'Alene area. And so I had this burner phone, and the only person I gave my number to was Ryan. The only person. Um, and that's because I still had his vest. So I wanted to return it to him, you know, now that I didn't feel like I was in danger anymore. So... I gave him the number. It was like when you break up with somebody and you, you're like, oh, I, got, I left my CDs in your car. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. just gave my, kept, kept in touch with him. And then he's like, so what are you going to do now, man? I was like, dude, I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't even want to think about anything. I'm so like overstimulated by this whole situation, like being like on the offense and defense back right. and forth. It was just like tit for tat game we were playing. And uh, it was going on for months, so I I gave you the condensed version yeah. of it. But um, but uh, yeah, he, he was like, "Look, I got an opportunity for you if you want it, man. Just give me a call when you're ready." A couple months went by. He hits me up again. He goes, "What are you doing now?" And I was like, "Well, I'm contracting right now. I'm brokering accounts. So I'm just I found a bunch of screen print shops in the area. Yeah. I had my own clients. Boom, 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 passing right. passing deals around. But that wasn't sustainable for me either, right? And so, um. I just was like, what do you got, dude? What are we doing? He was like, well, I got a job where you can live wherever you want. And as long as you're near an airport, you can, we can, we'll fly you to wherever the job is. And right. this is what we pay per day. And da, da, da. And I was like, fuck, well, I'm not doing anything but this broker shit right, right. now. And that's, I'm not trying to do this forever. Right. And I was like, all right, let's see what you got. So I went to Claremont, Florida. Uh, we moved. We, we actually left from 
uh, Nebraska, we were in Omaha. We left Omaha and then we moved to Pensacola. Uh, yeah. Right on the white sand uh, beach. Right. Like, of course you well, you don't have to ask. Like of course you're in Omaha because there's actually nothing else. I don't know if you're familiar with Nebraska. No, not really. There's nothing else in Nebraska, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we were in Omaha. <laughs> Omaha's not terrible. Uh, yeah, the roads coming from coming from like the roads. LA though, it's shit, like, like, dude, like I, I can't. They don't maintain their roads at all, so it's like you're off roading at all times. Oh, yeah, it yeah. was my suspension so, got jacked. So yeah, so you moved to Florida for that though. One thing I do want to ask him, like I told you, my audience vets, you know, and mm-hmm. those guys, and they're. Gonna, I was uh, surrounded by vets, and during all this time, uh, all the support for the community, uh, uh, all the dudes that were against child abuse, yeah. all the the army dudes, like. All the military guys were well, like, those, they, were, yeah. they were, it was like I had this like army yeah. literally around yeah. me at all times. Yeah, a lot of those special forces guys like Idaho as well. But like, so you're like, you're in your, you know, your wife's car. Some dude comes up, obviously is trying to like pull out some sort of pull out piece on you. You chase him down, you're armed to the teeth. Was there like, did it ever cross your mind? Like I might have to smoke this dude? I wanted to. I wanted a reason so I can fucking show these other motherfuckers that I wasn't kidding. Right. Like, give me a reason to smoke your bitch ass so that I can set the example. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm not playing over here. I'm not just having those guns on me for no reason. Like, right. if you're going to send your goons, they're going to get taken out. Yeah. And, but then there was this, like, do I keep doing that? Yeah. I have to keep doing that? What, until what point? Because they're, yeah. okay, Art of War. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Art of War. I was yeah. reading this book heavily during this time. Yeah. And one of the things that I read literally moments before, like days before I fucking knew I had to go was it was telling you if the enemy is has more resources than you and yeah. is much stronger than you yeah. know when to fucking fold and get out of there. Like, yeah. yeah. And it all hit me all at once. Like yeah. they're way stronger now that I know that they got the entire police force yeah. that are all these Freemason motherfuckers backing them up and all this stuff. OK, it's a brotherhood. I understand you guys are protecting each other. Yeah. This little whatever's going on yeah. here, people are getting paid out of left and right because they got so many locations and they got houses and kids through college and they're making hand over fist cash. You're trying to protect that nest egg. I get it now. You know what yeah. I mean? So there was nothing. We tried going to the FBI. We tried going to the quarter lane. We tried going to the sheriffs. Nobody gave a fuck. Nobody. Yeah. And yeah. so that's when I knew the enemy was much more resourceful yeah. than I was. Yeah, that shit's only going to escalate too. And I mean... Yeah, they one guy, one time, you took care of that. They're just going to keep coming. You're one guy, right? And escalate and escalate, and it's not... Obviously, How many you're, situations you're, am I going to win before yeah, I don't? Yeah, eventually it runs out, right? Yes, exactly. And you're going to be vigilant everywhere I go. Like, yeah. I don't want to live like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to live knowing that I, I, I can't make a left turn anywhere because I might get stuck at a light and smoked. I have to make right turns everywhere yeah. I go or something. Yeah. Like, there's, I don't want to do all of that stuff, dude. I didn't want to live like that. And I was like... Yeah, but that's how they got Tupac. He's gone. Speaking of Vegas, every time I'm at the corner, mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, MGM, I used to pass by that spot all the time. It was uh, Tupac. Uh, what was the name of the streets? It's uh, well, it's, it starts with a K. Oh shit! I, I just know it's Las Vegas Boulevard. Cobalt or, or could be yeah. But yeah, it was after a Mike Tyson fight. Yeah. Oh. But so, so yeah, you get you get the hell out of town, right? You decide like enough of this shit layover in nebraska which i'm sure was thrilling for everybody oh man i was dying out there <laughs> i was so bored then you move so then you move to what the panhandle of florida yeah so no not the panhandle the other part so south alabama i guess you could say oh no it is panhandle, That's panhandle yeah. my bad i don't yeah. know what the shit yeah, yeah. i was thinking the bottom part yeah so 
Very top left yeah. part. So yep. that's what that's called. Yes. Kind of near like Destin and all that stuff. Or I don't know. Yeah. We were just Pensacola. That's all. Pensacola. I mean. okay. But yeah, so there was like an Air Force base there, yep. like a military base. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we were right next to the beach within like five minutes, right? Oh. And so the white sand beach, the the emerald green water. We're yep. we're in the Gulf. It, the water's warm. It feels good. We're living like finally free of all this bullshit. And I was driving back and forth to Claremont, which is Orlando, basically, mm-hmm. um, from Pensacola on like Monday morning and driving back home Friday night. So it was a six hour drive there, six hour drive home. And I was doing this every week and I was like, this shit's kind of killing me. Right. I was like, let's just move to Claremont. So we left Pensacola so I can actually see my family every day, you know, and then moved to Claremont and uh, stayed there for about a year and a half. And I worked at other rock warehouse. I traveled and all that other stuff, but I was home way more than I am now. And that's when I started just building what I'm doing now, just yeah. giving value to the community and the industry and um, taking things that I learned from high level performers and oh. just passing it on to the, to the masses because yeah. these guys like to keep shit to themselves. And oh, yeah. I'm like, look, stop that. Like help people get better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, not to get too deep into like screen printing stuff, but in the industry, not that I've been in it that long, but that seems to kind of be like the new wave of how the community is, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot, a lot less of this, like, you know, from what I see, like old school kind of shops are, yeah, very like just per, like turn and burn, productive, cutthroat pricing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas it seems now there's like a new wave of even like, you know, you've been to huge, I'm sure you've been in huge shops turning out millions of dollars in sales, probably still have the mentality you have, right? It's not a competition, it's a community. No, well, I, um, I actually disagree. No. Okay. So you all the high end shops don't give a shit to help anybody. Okay. Because they're so busy with what they're doing. There's okay. not enough time for content. And gotcha. let me show you this and that. They don't give a shit. They want to, they want sales. They're, right. they're monsters. Yeah. So they're not worried. They're not even involved in the community. Most right. of the time, like the big, big ones, it's more of like the smaller right. ones. Right. Like and, are, and maybe that's what I'm seeing because you're like the big shops you're talking about. They're not on social media, right? They're not doing that. So I don't necessarily see that. I don't have access to that stuff. The stuff I have access to are what I would think is big, but probably not shit in the industry. Well, like, name somebody that that you Um, are inspired by. I mean, you talk about, like, you did the interview with, uh, like, 12 Ounce Collective. Mm -hmm. They seem pretty cool. Um, You know, you got, like, uh, the, um, like, Shirt Kong and those guys. Mm -hmm. You know, they seem to be active in the community, but maybe they are big enough to be turning out those kind of sales and have those kind of shops and doing that kind of product, but also not so big that they can still do. Yeah. They have time to play in the the community. Gotcha. The other ones are like just animals. Yeah. Yeah. They're just on some other shit that you'll never even see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure like there's people that are, that have like huge H and M contracts and stuff like that where they're like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're just, like, yeah, printing out Nike shit. Yeah. yeah. But even, like, let's say, like, 12-ounce, like, they're more, I'd rather produce really high quality and interesting shit right. than quantity. Right. And their level of quality control is unmatched to anybody. There's right. nothing that leaves that place that isn't completely flawless. And if it has what you and I would call flawless. If we could see nothing, Alan will find something. Right. And he would be like, this will not pass. There's tens of thousand dollars of beautiful misprints, whatever, perfect prints sitting in a warehouse. They have three warehouses in a row sitting in this second warehouse. 
that they're just going to burn because you because they're under uh, nda and yeah. stuff like that so they can't even give it out right. to their friends oh. like i was like can i just like oh. sneak a f-? he's like i can't and you know something i really want to touch on and this can go for character for anybody this isn't just in the screen printing world but josh merrill the owner of liquid graphics okay i'm sitting at his desk with him one day and and he's he prints for any every big brand like right. all our favorite brands like he's the guy right and so i'm like yo can I get a couple of this and that that are like these exclusive things? And he goes, you know, I built an entire career on doing business honestly and not doing that. So I'm not going to start now. And I was like, I really, really respect that you said that. Yeah. Like that really showed who you are as a person. Even someone like me can come right. in and say, Hey, let me get a few shirts for free. You tell me no. Yeah. Like, I really admired that. And I actually like, cause I told Josh, I was like, you know, what's crazy is I would have done the exact same thing. If somebody, even if Josh Merrill came to me and said, Hey, Rich, I like these shirts. Let me get those. Like, sorry, man. Like I, I built an entire life on being honest about what I'm doing. Why would I start now? You know? Oh yeah. I really like, I, I, I walked away from that, like feeling really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got, I got rejected, but I was proud that I got rejected for that reason. Yeah. So cool. Like life story, you know, make you relive all that stuff, but it's I just yeah. super interesting story, man. Um, thanks for telling it. So, but I guess just like some lean away from that and do some fun stuff. Like what do you do in your free time? You know, when you're not, you well, know, I'll living let you out know, of a suitcase. I'll and, let you know this. My time's not free ever. Uh, so I don't have free time. I have a schedule, right? But what I do schedule, um, in my available time is um, taking care of myself, um, elevating the brands or anything that I'm dealing with, like spending time doing that, getting really in tune and being present with my wife and my children, um, trying to teach my daughter, my oldest, to be a self-sustained person where she, like we don't do the school system, we do what's called unschooling, where we teach them the things that we feel we need to teach them for now, we're teaching agriculture. Um, we've just started an LLC for her to start a graphics company so that she can she's generate money doing yeah. that. Because um, she's a, a teenager now. 11. Right? Yeah. No, okay. she's 11. 11. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. She's getting there. But um, really like showing her how to build a schedule. I do this thing called Core 4 mm-hmm. where it's like four elements of my life that I, that I specifically intentionally do things in four categories being my mind my body my relationships and my business my mind i take care of whether i listen to something positive or read something every day um uh learn something new each day you know that's something that i do intentionally and then with my body whatever it is that i decide to do in the gym um, or if i want to go skating that day just to kind of like let off that steam because that's kind of a two for one for me eating clean drinking a lot of water um and then with my relationships, it's like texting a few friends. Hey, man, thinking about you. Hope everything's good. Reaching out to a friend just to just say hi, uh, saying something nice to my wife, writing a letter, leaving it by the coffee maker, you know, saying something nice to my daughters, like just keeping my relationships in, in check and then something with uh, my business. So things that I do intentionally with my business every day. And as long as I stay within those four categories of doing things, that is all my what you would call free time. Right. Yeah, I mean that's I've heard you talk about the the four the core four thing before, and I liked that a lot. And you, uh, I think you even made like a an analogy. I want to say it was like about like table legs. You keep them all even. Yeah, yeah. Right? So like uh, like here, boom. 
you got a table we're sitting at. Right. If one of these tables was being, or one of these, excuse me, one of these legs was being neglected, let's say like one of them's shorter because right. it's not getting as much attention, this table would topple over. Right. It wouldn't hold its weight. So as long as you're making deposits into those four categories each day, deposits, not taking away from those four categories, as long as you're making deposits in those four categories every day, then your table will remain balanced like it is right here, holding everything up just fine. Nice. But the second you start lacking in your business category, you start lacking in your body category, you start lacking over there in your relationships category, you start lacking over there in your mind category, it's not going to be even, right. and you're going to feel out of balance. Nice. Yeah, makes total sense. Mm -hmm. have to like start so but it's an intentional thing you have to do every day, not just right. like, oh, I'm going to do core four like once a week. or right, yeah. Every single day you have the plan, and right. you just follow the plan. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. So then... One other question before uh, you know we kind of wrap things up, and it's a really simple one. You travel a lot. When I meet people that do travel a lot, what is your go-to airplane movies? Well, I actually just started watching airplane movies, but yeah. you're not like, yeah, because I think I just ran out of other shit to do. Yeah. Um, one of them, the, the most recent one that I watched um, was Inception. Yeah. With a... a Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, yeah, he yeah. goes in the dream. Yeah, the dream, yeah, the dream. Okay. yeah. So that one was one of them that I watched recently. Um, another one. Damn, I can't even remember, dude. Like Bullet Train, I think that. <laughs> I love, I love Bullet Train. Yeah, because that's love, one of those ones you can watch over yeah, and over. I liked over. that a lot. I watched that. We went to me and my wife went to Mexico for our anniversary, our tenth anniversary yeah. over Christmas, and uh, so watched that. Yeah, like, Bullet Train. Yeah. It's just one of those good movies where you can just watch it over and over. But um, I. Dude, I so what, what were you before movies? What were you doing? Like, would you read or? Yeah, I listen sleep? to like audiobooks. Um, uh, I would. Um, I like to journal, and then like I'd, if I had like something in my mind where I like needed to just do a brain dump, yeah. like I would do a lot of that stuff, and then plan mm -hmm. inside of that, and then um, stuff on my laptop, graphic stuff. Yeah. Like I do, I own a company where I do a lot of graphics. You know that yeah. I also started my daughter doing as well. Nice. Um, so that because yeah. I'm com when I hit the floor like when I'm when I'm working like when I land wherever I'm going I'm full like yep. you see me dude it's yep. like nonstop so there's no graphics that can get done in those yeah. times so anytime that I have time where like nobody's asking me for stuff because you can't even get a hold of me on the plane anyway so right. I got hours typically and I just sit there and just knock all my shit out nice yeah nice cool so yeah dude again thanks for coming on I just know like I'd heard your story from some other podcasts and stuff um and just knowing you know you're kind of well known in the industry at this point and uh just seeing like meeting you um and kind of hearing what you say like how you carry yourself um and kind of how you present certain thoughts i was like man this is a guy that from your story i mean you could have any like every excuse to just go through life being an asshole right mm -hmm. like which uh, a lot of people can, but I mean, just hearing your experiences, you know, I could probably hear somebody else with something very similar to yours and he's going to probably be an egotistical dick, right? Because mm -hmm. the world can let well, you do I that. I needed to be humbled. So <laughs> understand that when I woke up that day, uh, January 1st of 2019, um, there was a whole different perspective. It was a whole different paradigm shift. Everything was different. Like right. it was... Um, I had started my first round of 75 hard. I started listening to Ed Milet before he became what he is now. This yeah, is when, I don't know familiar, if you know. Okay, so yeah. he's super, like, just like an Andy Frazella. Like, okay. Him yeah. and I hit, the both of them have, like, a business together yeah, called. Uh, first Form. 
right? It's not first, no, not first form. Um, what's their little group called? Not little. Oh, group I'm not group. sure. I know, I know Andy Frisella from first form, right? Yeah, it? yeah, he uh, has that. But then they also have, um, uh, they also have like a coaching group together. Oh, gotcha. Um, I can't think of it in the moment. Yeah. Anyway, so dude's like worth a hundred million dollars. Just, yeah. just super baller and he just has a lot of mindset hacks and that's really where it started with me was ed milet's early content before he blew up and became this like super you know famous dude was he was giving out like the real psychological nuggets like hey if you're going through this do this with your mind think this and then do this and then everything changes and i started like okay i started playing with these mind tricks and then i started 75 hard and then i remember i finished my first round and this this was a really really pivotal moment for me because i remember i wasn't even through it yet i was almost through it and i remember i looked at myself in the mirror right in the fucking eyes and i was actually proud of the person i was looking at because i got off drugs i fucking rebuilt myself to start a screen printing business my body was looking great i was doing the things i said i was going to do keeping the promises i made to myself my self-confidence was going back up I started thinking again because after I got off drugs, even though I was used to firing on all cylinders very quickly. When you have a company that's making that much money, there's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of like things that need your attention. So it was always like boom, boom, boom. Everything was never like, there was never a task left to do the next day. Everything was always fucking taken care of. And then when I got off the drugs, it was like, I couldn't even like think a clear thought. It was weird. And I remember thinking to myself like, dude, am I ever going to come out of this? Like, Am I ever going to start thinking again like the way I did? And I don't even know if I still do. You know what I mean? But um, but I feel like I started coming back. But that was a really big scare for me, like yeah. coming off that shit. Yeah. I don't even know where I was, why I was saying that. But anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, man. But like I said, like you're almost like some of the like, um, stuff you're saying at the end of your interview that I taped for you today, um, which will tell people where to go find that in a, in a second. But like, it's like, man, this guy's like, uh, he always come off as like this, um, like modern day monk. Like he had these like <laughs> tidbits of information, like almost like what Aubrey Marcus wishes he was. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> yeah, with him. He was, yeah. well, he's awesome. Well, I think I just says flowery words and then like gives your wife ayahuasca to banger or something. You know? Uh, that's, you know, it's, I think he's on the freak side for yeah. sure. You know, like that's just, that's what he's like. He's a sex cult and he knows how to talk. And, uh, yeah. The, you know, what's funny is my wife was thinking, she was like, dude, I really want, like what they have going on, like this, this community. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, I think this guy's a fucking freak. I think oh, he's yeah. just using it to be a freak. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I think it's kind of fairly well known by people. Oh, like, is it? it yeah. I don't know. I, I'm like separate from that. A little but then bit. he like, he uses like the spiritual yeah. stuff. And, but if you ever actually listen to what he says and a lot of that stuff, it's like, it's not even spiritual. It's just like. You're just saying words because, like, some, some, you know, bored housewife thinks this is the way she wants to live her life now, kind of thing. Like, it's whatever. But, but yeah. But yeah, I I just try, like I said, man, I read a lot and there's things that these aha moments that, Mm -hmm. that I, that hit me and I like to, like, share that with people. Like, even if it's just one sentence, one line, fuck, that sounds tight. Like, and that really means a lot and it, like, it hits me to the core. I want my audience to see that. So yeah. I'll share those lines that I read or yeah. that I hear. And then people are just like, oh, my God, thank you for saying that. Like, so, yeah. I, well, it's not really original content that I came up with. A lot of, some of it is, like, I'll just have my own thoughts. But, right. like, a lot of it is just, like, I hear something really special. And then, like, I want you to hear that right. because it's going to resonate right. with you as well. Well, I mean, you could take those. I mean, you could you could take, I think, probably what a lot of it is for a lot of people is you take those things that impact you 
and you can interpret it in your own way yeah. well, that's what and impart is. that on other people, right? Yes. Like, this is how I interpret this, this phrase, That's right? pretty much how I do it. So it's like through my experiences, this meant this to me in like this right. system yep. that I, of this situation, yep. you know, and a lot of people can relate with that stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, dude, uh, <laughs> what's next? Where can people find you? Um, well, I just started the website kingtilly.com, T-I-L-L-E-Y. Um, that is going to be a site that's going to be based around a core four concept. I haven't really actually, this is the first time I'm really talking about it, but Right now, it's really designated in the business department, which is screen print related. So I'm giving all the tips and the business stuff and the vlogs and all that kind of stuff that are business related. There's still other segments of the website that I'm building out, which will include like a health section, like all these crazy, like, like holistic things that I've been learning, like organic honey, you know, things to like revitalize your body and cayenne pepper and all these things that I've been learning that's like to fix you as a person organically without the stupid medical system. And then uh, stuff related to life and, and thought-provoking things like mm-hmm. we were just talking about, like the books that, mm-hmm. I, that I read. A lot of people, like I post, like, you know, I highlight some of the books that mm-hmm. I read and like underline some of the things that really resonated with me. And people are always like, oh, what book is that? What book is that? What book is that? So it's like, hey, there's going to be a space that's going to have all yeah. that. Like mm-hmm. you don't even have to ask me. Like, and maybe in when I post whatever book that day, there'll be a link to it on my site. So if you right, really yeah. want to get the book, there yeah. it is. And then um, – <laughs> Uh, and then my physical fitness stuff, obviously. Yep. So like stuff related to physical fitness, you know, all that type of shit that I do. So yeah, yeah, you're jacked, dude. Not really. Come on, I, I can do better. How old are you? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. You're looking good, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm thirty five, and I'm over here like. It, what's crazy is it wouldn't even take you a year. Oh, I know. It I, it's all, dude. It's, it's all me, man. It's, yeah. I, I understand. It's all, it's all you. me. Yes. 100%. Um, I have like I've gone hard on fitness before. Mm-hmm. Um. I found that what my body seems to respond best to is not so much like heavy weight training, but like I do it like probably my, the best I felt and looked was I was doing a lot of boxing and kickboxing mm. and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Cause I've tried it, dude. I, I tried and it, I was younger. I was in my twenties, dude. I was like a personal trainer, 10,000 calories a day, two a days weightlifting. Cause I was like, Six one. Yeah, see, that's like yeah. over the top. But I was like, I was like six one, hundred and thirty five pounds, dude. I was fucking tiny. What? And I do, dude. I ate ten thousand calories a day for a month. And granted, it's not, it's not fucking Burger King, man. Like I was like, I was just like regiment yeah. of stuff that's like not fun to eat. It wasn't a fun ten thousand calories. No, I did no it for way. a month and I gained two pounds. That's out of this world. So, yeah, you have a really, really high metabolism. And then. uh then got married and just somehow in my thirties started getting in just better shape, you know, gaining weight in the right places. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, you know, it's, I, I understand it's all me, you know? Well, I, I mean, you could also do like jujitsu and like other oh, things yeah. where like, it, yep. where being like more lean is actually yeah. better oh, for yeah. you. Yeah. You know? And that's, I want to get back to it. And, uh, I plan to, it's just you, new house and where I was working yeah. out was like, is now, 40 minutes the other direction. Dude, yeah, everything is 40 my, minutes my away. My kid's school is two minutes from the house. Yeah. And he, they have the most insane hours that, like, who works? Like, drop-offs, like, 840, pickups at 340. Like, who yeah. works? Yeah. Who work, Like, what parents work these hours, man? So I'm going to get on it. Well, I'll just have you uh, 
there's a planet fitness is a door uh, next door to my full time. So I'll just have you give me like the planet fitness workout. Dude, it's the- easy, easy. I only train for like half an hour a day, Yeah, but it's just, again, it's just compounded over yeah. time. Like I'm very active during the day. Like that press, each one of those print heads yeah. is freaking heavy. Yeah. Like to anybody else picking those up, they would, yeah. they would die putting right. that press here. I've put it together yeah. easily, yeah. but I train my body for what I do. Yeah. So I pick up heavy shit. So inst- I work out with heavy shit. So it's not like my work is not that. It's just regular, yeah. you know? So, yeah. So kingtilly.com. Mm-hmm. Have, right now you got kind of some like business ended stuff, but building it to have you yeah, know, all your stuff. all kinds of cool stuff. Um, you've also, you got a new YouTube page, right? Yeah, that's, uh, I think it's just King Tilly as well. Yeah, yep. So I'll, uh, and I will put all the links in the description Sweet, for this. Um, so definitely go follow him because, uh, Anybody that knows, you know, even though it's not necessarily podcasting, but any kind of content creation, especially YouTube, dude, getting subscribers rolling, like it's slow. Yeah. And it can be frustrating as shit sometimes, you know? Um, I've just learned to just detach from the results. Yeah. Because that's what stresses you out. Like I'll, like I'll post something and so I'll have to tell myself detach, detach yeah. because it might mean a lot to me, yeah. but other people might see it and half the world is fucking zombies anyways. Yeah. So they might not even respond well to what I'm, what I'm posting. Right. And some of the stuff I post is, is a higher level of like understanding and consciousness. So yeah. it's like, they may not even understand it. So I like, you know what? I'm just going to put this out there. It may get two likes for all I give a shit, right. yeah. but as long as it resonates with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I did the same thing when I started this. I was like, why don't I have, why don't I have like a thousand subscribers already? I yeah. know people. Yeah. But then eventually I learned like, no, what? Fuck the numbers. Like I'm not doing this for them, yeah. you know, but I am, I'm doing it like it. Stay subscribed. I'm doing it for you guys. Well, you yeah, know? Um, but like, this is, this is for me. I just like doing this. So this I'm going to put really it out cool. there and watch I'm... it. If you like it, if you don't yeah. like what I say, you know, half the time, like, cause this is a, this is a pretty normal, conversation yeah. typically like i was saying the our probably most popular episode was a co-host of mine was an er nurse and uh she had a guy come in with a um like a uh, infected colostomy hole mm. and it turns out he had syphilis because he was making a little extra cash pimping out his colostomy hole what yeah yeah so that's Shit can get wild sometimes. Somebody was doing that to him? But so, so that's what, like, I, whenever somebody hears it for the first time, it's either he was doing that. My first reaction was, like, people were paying yeah, somebody to, to jam their dick in some dude's colostomy hole. Like, oh. <laughs> so, what is this life, man? I know. Yeah, you, you hear some crazy stories out there, dude. Oh, man. Another had another guy call in one time because his uh his Prince Albert got stuck on his girlfriend's IUD. No way. Yeah. They were stuck together? Yeah. <sighs> so they're like while they're like trying to get it unhooked, he, you know, like he's he's you know losing it and as it's shrinking it's pulling it out. So then they had to call in the girl's roommate. To, you know, keep him, you know, fluff him up while they're trying to get the damn thing untangled from inside of her. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> you didn't think it was going to end, the night was going to end this way, did you? I had no idea. Yeah. That's interesting. But but now you're never going to forget it, so. No, I'm going to try to. But, but yeah, yeah, you know, keep you up at night. But. Colostomy hole or whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah, that's so. Oh, all right. But anyways, dude, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, 
again, everybody, I'll post the links. Go, you know, find him on Instagram. He's got some really awesome content on Instagram. It's not even like most of it's not even specifically screen printing based. It all it is it's, it is it's everywhere. It is from screen printing, but it is a very universal messages you're typically sending. Uh, it's definitely not like there are screen printing related stuff, but it's like it's not just for screen printers, you know, yeah. like so and then uh yeah again the youtube all that i'll post the links to all that in the descriptions and then uh as for neuter nation dude everybody knows the drill go like and subscribe on youtube and uh sorry yeah youtube mixed up um and then five star review on uh itunes and then yep leave reviews uh for whatever reason, that's kind of how iTunes does their metrics and how many reviews you get a week. Not mm-hmm. so much how many listens you get, which is whatever. They but, want engagement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. just want people on their website or yeah. on their yeah, apps. On the app. They yeah. want the on the app because you can't do they it from your attention. Yeah. Yep. So, and then uh, Spotify, just leave a five-star, walk away. Um, but, yeah, so this has been the Nooner Nation. Good night, everyone.